Welcome to Cold Coffee Chats. I'm Jin. And I'm Shan. We're here spilling the milk on real parenting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cold Coffee Chats. I'm here with my girl, Shan. Today, we are diving deeper into my pregnancy story and my birth story. I am so excited for this. But if you missed my trying to conceive story, go back an episode or two um, and to episode seven and you'll get to hear the lead up to this story. So Shan actually hasn't heard it in no, full detail. No, and I am ready. I am in my seat, ready to go. She's been hanging for it for I a have. while, and I suppose Every you guys time have you go too. to speak about it. I stop you. I know, and, and I, I wanted no details. I wanted it live. I wanted to hear it for the first time, not with the viewers because you're hearing it after me, but I wanted to hear it right here, right now. Well, we're all going to hear it together. Yeah. Um. So where I ended last time after I'd had my two miscarriages was that I felt pretty defeated by that point and I was reluctant to get pregnant again. Yes. I finally decided to get pregnant again. Well, none of my pregnancies were like super consciously like, yep, by this time we're going to start trying. It was just like, okay, I'm open to it again. Yeah, that's such a bizarre um, mindset for me. Like I just can't like ever imagine that for me because everything has been like so mm. medicalised for me. But like I love that. I love that you were just just open. Yeah, we never were like, oh, yeah, we'll just actively try or yeah. whatever. We're just like, yeah, if we get pregnant, we get pregnant. Yeah. And I had some amazing – Let's just say, I don't know if it worked or not, but I really thought it did. So I had some Reiki, I think, Yeah. when I was in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And you so, have a, your pregnancies are very connected to travels. They are. Yeah. Yes, I always, I'd often get pregnant in travel. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Put me on a holiday and watch what happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was in Mexico and I decided to get some Reiki or like massage done because I was thinking I want to have another baby, I think, and I want to get pregnant again, um, but I feel nervous and like there's something I need to clear around this. Like there's mm-hmm. something that I'm still holding on to. I just need to let it go and yep. I think I'm ready to let go of that mm-hmm. sadness. This was six months probably after I had the second miscarriage. So yeah, did that and actually in that session mm-hmm. I kind of remember if it was Reiki or not but I feel like whatever happened in the session it really released something for me yeah and I felt like okay I feel like now I can now mm-hmm. I'm ready so um got right to it oh and uh, straight after <laughs> after some mezcal yeah having a great time <laughs> we were having such a good time we're in Puerto Escondido yeah um which is in Mexico and my friends were there as well, just by serendipi- serendipitously at the same yeah. time. And we had planned Mexico trips separately, but ended up in the same place at the same time in three different locations. That's amazing. Yeah, so we saw them throughout the entire trip, yeah. which was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think we were like, yeah, let's do it. And, yeah, that happened pretty quick. I think just I got like pregnant that. within two days of having that Reiki. Wow. Yeah. And so how long did you travel after that? 
Um, so this was at the beginning of our trip. So we had a three month trip planned. Yep. So we went to um we went and spent Christmas with his family in Arizona, mm-hmm. went to Mexico for three weeks, mm-hmm. and then we went to Europe for two months. So where did you find out that you were pregnant? Uh, I found out in Jura, which is in France. So I arranged with the midwives to meet with them whilst I was over there. Yeah. Went back to the US, met with my midwives, and I only interviewed – so for reference, I was – the insurance situation is very complicated. And in yeah. the US, if you were an immigrant that had recently immigrated to the US, you weren't eligible for the state income cover mm-hmm. uh, for low income, which was the case because I had just uh, finished up a seasonal job, which was technically at the restaurant, and the restaurant's process was to put you on unemployment mm-hmm. um, because technically the contract had ended and they had no more work for you, so you went on unemployment. So I had technically yeah. low income whilst I was on holiday. Mm-hmm. So I came back to the US, but the only reason I could qualify was if in the state I lived in was if I was pregnant. So I had to reapply for had to apply for insurance for the through the state. Right. And that's a whole nother complicated process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't I don't know how immigrants who don't speak English as their first language and would even begin to navigate that. Like it's completely backwards. I was just lucky that I knew how to do research and understood yeah. health information yeah. to be able to make those decisions and mm. get that insurance. Um, so I was very lucky and in the state that I lived in, they offered free or funded home birth through their state insurance system. This was going to be my question to you, how you came to wanting to birth in at home or whether it was because of COVID and that's why you chose a home birth. No. So COVID made it easier because it made it more accessible for home births in the state because a lot of people were choosing that. Yes. Um, But what happened was, so I was actually pregnant and decided to have a midwife before COVID hit because I was, when I was in Europe, it wasn't yet COVID. Yeah. And I was looking for midwives for home births. So in the US there's um, either community-based midwives Mm -hmm. who do home births Mm -hmm. And they work privately and you meet with them privately. And then there's nurse midwives who work in the hospital or birth centres. Right. So what you and I are, Shannon, nurse midwives Mm -hmm. um, that would work in the hospital setting or in a birth centre setting. But community midwives are trained via experience, like apprenticeship. And yeah, because in America is like you have like labour and delivery nurses that aren't mid wife like yes there's a no nurse that has like I guess like extra training yep to like yeah you just basically say I'm a nurse I'd like to work in labor and delivery and they say okay we'll just train you train you on the job of how to be a nurse in labor and delivery and that's what that is and they, nurses and midwives are separate like it's actually a separate nurse practitioner qualification so then do the labor and delivery nurses like what's their role like do they deliver babies do they just Manage no support. manage labors. The obstetricians are the people who deliver the babies. It would be the same as a midwife's role in a private hospital here. But like so, f- like so, they will still like look at CTGs and yes. manage that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, cool. and they'll still start oxytocin or pitocin, as they call it. Yeah. They'll still do all of those things. Right. Okay. Um, but 
And a nurse midwife there can act like an obstetrician and come in to deliver the baby. And the labour delivery nurse would manage right. the birth under their direction. Okay. So, or even potentially be present. It could be go either way for the nurse midwife. Okay. It's quite different. Yeah. Um, and then you can work independently in a birth centre as well. It is. So I had the option of going home birth, birth centre, mm-hmm. which is separate to the hospital completely. Yeah. Or go to a hospital under an obstetrician. And how did you feel with those options given your experience as a midwife in the Australian system? I knew that I didn't want an obstetrician Mm -hmm. um, and I was very clear about that. Like I was terrified to go into the US hospital system Mm. based on everything I'd heard and I knew that they'd try and induce me. I knew that they had admission monitoring Yes, um, and I given knew, where you'd left your career in Australia and like, yeah. I knew it very... wasn't going to be the right experience for me because yes. I'm like, I don't, I always wanted to have a home birth. I was always interested in home birth. Mm-hmm. I always thought that that would be where I wanted to go. Yeah. So, and I always thought, oh, I was capable of doing it. Like a lot of people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you did, chose that for your first birth. Yeah. That's crazy. And I was like, but for me... You had no reason to believe you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, why not try? Yeah. And I had done a lot of research. I knew that it was safe. I knew it was yes. safe for me. Yeah. Um, so I was like, why not? Yeah. My husband was on board. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big deal to convince him he wasn't afraid of having a home birth. Mm. He was really supportive. He yeah. was like, cool, um, let's do that, whatever you want to do. He's mm-hmm. always like that. He's like, whatever you want to do, let's do it. Or because you deep dive and you know the ins and outs of everything and every decision you make. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And spitting, he's like, spitting stats at him. Yeah. Mm. What do you want? Exactly. Low risk. Ninety six percent. No. I don't, I don't want a cesarean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want epidural. I don't want anything. I was thinking I'm just gonna go through it beautifully. Um yeah. So met with I think I only met with one set of midwives and I'm like, yep, that's it. Good, done. Gelled with them. That gelled, loved them. Amazing. So I attended all my appointments in their little community office. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the last visits they came to me and at my home to just like make sure it was suss it out. Yeah, suss it out, make yep. sure we know where it is and how to get there and what the setup was gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um but Interesting enough, that appointment took place in the house I wasn't even living in when I gave birth. Oh, that's good. Yep. <laughs> so they met with them. They did all my bloods. I never had to go to a doctor or a GP. They, like, did all my pre-pregnancy bloods. They did – well, I mean, sorry, the early pregnancy bloods. They ordered yeah. ultrasounds. They had a lot of autonomy. And earlier – And they did my bloods in the office. I never had to go anywhere to get my bloods done. That's good. They just did them right there. In our last episode where we discussed um, pregnancies and losses, you mentioned that you only had two scans because you didn't want them to find anything wrong with you. Yeah. I think you mentioned that or maybe yeah, that might no, have been no, like no, a, I did. I did. A, a topic that we discussed off the okay, podcast. Okay, so maybe <laughs> I had – so. When I got back, I was highly anxious given my history that yes. this baby was viable. Yep. So I had a six-week scan or an eight-week scan yep. booked in for immediately when I got back from overseas. So we went to that. So beyond viability, like yep. once we got past. Confirmed that there was a pregnancy. Yeah. 
yay, amazing, amazing. wonderful, let's Love celebrate. That. Then I had another one at 12 weeks. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, this is pushing my memory. And then I had the 20 weeks. No, I didn't. I just had the viability one and then I just had the 20 week one. My mind is like, what? Yeah, I just had the 20 week one. And then that's what happened. I knew I had three because the 20 week one, he was so active, they couldn't get a proper picture. So I had to come back for a second time. Yeah. But that was it. Wow. No furthers. Yeah. No checking in. Like they just did the traditional measure my belly by yep. centimetres. Yeah. Um, and he was tracking really well. Mm-hmm. And they did the even listen with the cone. Wow. The old, not even the Doppler listened with the cone. I would love to have experienced that. It was wild. They did some amazing things and they're amazingly talented in so many ways. Yeah. And because they're so autonomous and like they've just home births what they do. So it's just really normal for them. Yeah. Um, but they had good connections with a lot of different people and midwives. So I think when I was going through the pregnancy, like if I needed to go to hospital, mm-hmm. there were plans in place, there were conversations that had been had. Yeah, that was my next conversation. No, my next right. Question with so we, they talked me through all the different possibilities of the hospitals I could go to if I mm. needed to transfer. Yes. And what was going to be the most practical and suit my needs the best. Um, so... Because that was something I was anxious about. So how – obviously there's like parameters in place. How – like not far can you push it? That's not the right way to put it. But like how low, low risk do you need to be before they put you into like the hospital system? Right, exactly. So you have to be low risk, obviously. It has to be safe. So part of my my insurance had a set of criteria that I had to meet and tests that I had to do in order to – be able to be be paid to birth at home paid to birth at home like for them to pay for me to birth at home I still had the choice if I declined a certain test or didn't pass a certain test to make that choice but they wouldn't fund it okay um but obviously my midwives would be like that's not safe um so say so I had to do GBS testing yeah to be funded okay something I would have probably not done but I yeah I was gonna say so like if you did that if you had the option in Australia was that something that maybe you would have opted out to yeah. do? Like, yeah. Were there things that you would have not done? Yes, that I had to do, yeah. There was yeah. Super, that's a super personal decision and something you should definitely research yes. before you make any of those decisions yeah. for yourself because there are risks involved with that. Um, but so for the glucose tolerance test, mm-hmm. so what happened is instead of them me doing the GTT, mm-hmm. I did strict blood sugar monitoring and um, – for two weeks. Yeah. And I did fasting and all of the things. And, and that I, was a choice that you could make either or. Yes, and I did a HbA1c. And, and then they applied to my insurance company with that information and said, this is, we think that she's low risk for gestational diabetes based yep. on this information. And they got it approved. Okay, cool. So basically it was every test, every question was an application to the insurance company for them to say yes or no. You need yep. to do either further testing or we will accept that and you can continue you on your journey. I had to do tests. I was like, what do you mean you had to do a test? But you really had to do tests. Like it was tests. It wasn't um, assessments. It was a test. Yeah, like, no, I had to do the tests. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and, you know, at some point in my pregnancy, so I 
think I definitely probably had anxiety from my previous losses and I didn't realize, but I would get really high blood pressure sometimes when I went in there Mm. to the midwife's office. So I had to like lay down. I was so terrified that I was going to risk myself out of a home birth Mm. that I got anxious and my blood pressure would go up. Yeah, which is like, I feel like you, I mean that, I get that when you just go and see a GP anyway, like white coat syndrome. Yeah, so I had to lay down and rest before they would take my blood pressure and like calm myself down. Yeah. Um, But they did like all the bloods to make sure I didn't have preeclampsia. Yes, like we're safe about. Yeah. Yeah. They did all of that, which was great. Um, So, yeah, I was so anxious about needing to go to the hospital that I wanted to have a plan in place that if I did need to go that I knew – I was afraid of losing the continuity of care because my yes. community midwives couldn't cross over into the hospital. That was my other question. Yes. So what happened if so you did have to cross over? Care's gone. Yeah, that's what I was terrified about and I would end up with someone that I didn't know. And is that why you mentioned that you had a doula as well and is that why you had a doula in ca- like in case of? Yes, so I'll tell you how it works. So every community midwife, there has to be two people at the birth. Yep. So there were two midwives that worked together in partnership that were my midwives. Yep. One of them was also a doula. Yeah, okay. So what the arrangement was is, and my state funded one primary midwife mm-hmm. and then I had to pay the additional out-of-pocket fee, fee for the second midwife to okay. attend, yep. which was 600 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I paid- And that's just for the birth. Yes. Yeah. I pay, and aftercare. Yeah. But, but then like for your appointments, did you have? No, I didn't have to pay anything for that. Okay. She was either one of them would conduct the appointments. Okay. And they would do just like our version of like a Medicare kind of. Yeah. Didn't have to pay for any of that. Like the insurance paid for it all. Yeah. Okay. They billed to them. Yeah. So Jamie, who was my second midwife, mm-hmm. um, who I really connected with, loved and bonded with, she agreed that in the circumstance that I had to be transferred to hospital, mm-hmm. she would revert to my doula yep. and come with me yep. and stay for the birth. So I would have that continuity. Yeah, I also met with a nurse midwife mm-hmm. um, through the birth centre that in case I had to be transferred, I had met with her and nominated her to be my admitting midwife. Does that make sense? So I had the relationship already built with her that if I had to transfer, she would be called in and she would be my midwife. So like she would almost be like our like MGP kind of person. Like she would be almost on call for you. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. She would be like, but almost like an obstetrician. Does that make sense? Like I could have picked an obstetrician, but I picked to have a midwife. Yeah. But so like if she wasn't working that day. Yeah she would come in for you. I can't remember the exact details, but yes, Pressing I believe that was the <laughs> that was the arrangement. I'm just so intrigued by the system. If that she wasn't on call, it would have been someone from her group, group. of midwives okay. that would have come yeah. in. Great. Um because I went to that birth center. And how did you find navigating all of this, knowing what our system was like? Because I'm sure it would be hard being a midwife here working the way that you worked before you left for America with all of your losses Mm. and now you're in a foreign country without your support system, without your mum and now, yeah, you're having to navigate all of that and then in comes COVID. Yeah, it was was so hard. It was so hard to do and that's why I say lucky that I 
am health literate and, mm. you know, speak English as my first language because yep. I can't imagine how people on the insurance I was on could advocate for themselves or even know that home birth was an option or yeah. that there were, were other options or because everything I had to go, the type of insurance I was on was one. So everywhere in the US, if you have health insurance, you can go to the health insurance insurer's website and look for providers mm-hmm. that are covered under your certain insurance. Mm-hmm. Like your insurer has an agreement with that person. Yeah. But the insurance I was on was called an open card. So I didn't have any agreements in place with any providers. I had to go and negotiate and ask and find services oh, wow. that would cover me because I was on like, it's called Medicaid, yeah. um, which is like, what would it be like? It would be like having Medicare, but like with a healthcare card, maybe. Yeah. Um, That's stressful. So I had to go to every provider that I wanted to use and say, do you accept Medica- Medicaid open card? They wouldn't know what the hell that insurance was because it was so, it was only for a certain class of people that were pregnant immigrants. Wow. So it was a very obscure insurance that no one really knew what was covered and what wasn't. Um, So then I would have to explain to them what it was, what was covered, and then they would have to agree to be like, okay, yeah, we accept Medicaid patients with that insurance and it's a fee for service. So they usually would get paid less than what other insurers would pay. Yeah. So it was hard to find people who would accept it. And you mentioned that you, looking back on it, you suffered from anxiety. Was there any point in your pregnancy that you thought, I think I have anxiety or is this just looking back on it now? Um, I definitely questioned a lot in the pregnancy. Uh, is this normal? Yeah. Like what I'm th- how worried I am about his well-being. Is mm. that normal? Like yeah. I would check his heartbeat almost daily with the Doppler. Yeah. Like even twice a day. Yeah. If I didn't feel him move, I would be anxiety through the roof, like stressed. Yeah. And your coping mechanism would be the deep diving. Yeah, find more information. Find more information that's <laughs> in the forums. Would that suits what your train of thought would be at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is so not healthy. Yeah. Looking back on it. Um and was there I was very good at covering it up though, I think. I was gonna say. And no one noticed. Okay. No yeah. one said. And were there questions that were asked of you during your appointments around your mental health and well-being? Yes. And would you fudge them? No, <laughs> but maybe. Yeah. I wasn't completely honest. I wouldn't tell the whole truth. Okay. I would tell the truth, but not the whole not truth. Completely. I just don't think I realised how much I was suffering. Yes, which I think is common for like a lot of people is that you don't realise until afterwards or you're not honest with yourself until kind of afterwards. You're like, wow. That, yeah. Yeah. That and probably wasn't normal. I didn't have any of my own friends per se. Like I'd made friends with a few of my husband's friends, but I didn't have any of my own friends. You didn't have your trust circle. No. And that's a lot of thoughts that you don't want to share with your husband. Mm. And you don't want your husband's friends' partners to then go back and then tell their partner to then tell your husband. And we were living with his friend at the time when I was pregnant in a house sharing arrangement. Right. So okay. that was very challenging. Yeah, okay. To not have our own house and yeah. be sharing a house and COVID happened. Like it was only meant to be a short-term thing, but then COVID happened so we kind of got stuck 
in that situation and then we both couldn't work so then it was like prolonged. Yeah. Um, and then so then we decided to move. I decided I didn't want to give birth at that house and we decided to move in with Dan's cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, we need our own place. And Dan was like, no one will rent to us because like it's COVID and we don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. But I saw this one pop up on um, Craigslist. Yes. Shout out to Craigslist. <laughs> and it was just like, I remember sitting at the pub one day, I saw it pop up and I'm just like, that's my house. Yeah, That's it. And it was yellow and it would look like a single family home. It was in my favorite suburb that was absolutely gorgeous. And I'm like, yeah. it's such an expensive suburb. There's no way we can live here. Mm-hmm. And it was an old 1920s duplex that had one apartment one side and a one-bedroom apartment on the other side. Yeah. And we went and looked at it that afternoon. It was um it was beautiful. Yeah. It had a fireplace, like we were like, we loved it. Yeah. And it had a backyard that was shared with the other people next door, but they had just had a baby. Yes. Nice. Um, and the guy was like, oh, you guys would be perfect because you're both about to and just had babies, like seriously five weeks apart. Um, and I was like, oh, I hope we get it. And it was affordable, like within our budget. Yeah. And then they messaged me and they're like, oh, sorry, the first people who looked at it want it. No. And I was like, no, like that's our house. Like we need this house. Like we really yeah. want it. And I was just emailing them. I'm like, we really want it. Like we can make it happen. We can, I, I got a guarantor in place. Like I got um, Dan's dad to be the guarantor and like I got all of that organized and they were like, okay, it's yours. They let Yay. us move in. And it, we were so, they were like, do you want to move in before or after you have the baby? And we were already set up where we were yep. at that moment. So I was like, I just can't be bothered moving right now before I have this kid. So let's just stay where we are yep. and I'll have him at Michelle's because I was really comfortable there. Yeah. And we decided we'll move in on the 1st of November and Leah was born October 17. Yeah. So this is all the things that I'm navigating in the pregnancy and like an unstable living situation, uh, financial stresses, COVID stresses, no social support, no like anxiety around the loss, like – that's intense. That's a, that's now I say that even just in this setting, I'm like shit. That's intense. That's way more than anybody should ever have to navigate in pregnancy. And also the fact that I didn't have my nursing license. It wasn't through yet. I sat my exam for the NCLEX one month before I gave birth, and my registration came after he was born. Mm. So I had no way of earning income in my actual job because my registration took two years to two years. come through for nursing only. Oh, I couldn't wow. practice as a midwife, only a nurse. I had to go back through doing the apprenticeship model of doing the 100 births to be able to practice as a midwife or what? go back and do my master's to become a nurse midwife. And I'm like, I'm not doing that again. So my only option was to be a labour and delivery nurse. Oh, no. And I didn't want to do it. And I was just like, this sucks. So I had like this triple. And then in the US, like there's all these things about, you know, if you just had a baby, it's not, you're not really a desirable candidate for a job. Yeah. Yeah. And all of them are night shift and you got to start on full-time nights to get a job. And then eventually you work your way up and you get to day shifts. And I'm like, yeah. I can't do that with a newborn. No. Okay. So, Jin, we've talked about the pregnancy. Mm. Let's get to 
Okay. So the birth. So we've chosen home birth. Yes. We've got our space. Yeah, we've got our space. We've got the birth pool organised. Yes. Dan is not drunk. No. (laughs) (laughs) They made me buy, like I had to order this home birth supply kit, which was like sits, baths, stuff, herbs in it and like. um, Herbs? Yeah, for afterwards. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Why are we putting herbs when the baby's no, coming out? <laughs> and I had to get a birth pool, which they, which I hired, and then, um, you know, they had all the poo nets and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Of course, the essentials, yes. Amazing practical tip they told me is to make my bed twice, like with two sets yes. of sheets on it. So which is I a great tip for when off. you have um, toddlers and when they're toilet training. But, or just oh, yeah. Sick. Yeah, yeah and you can just rip it off. Yeah. And then you've got a fresh set underneath. It was an amazing tip. So um, we had our big room set up. We were ready to go. And it was Friday day. And I remember just sitting around that day. It was very relaxed. And um, I started getting contractions, but they were like one every 10 minutes. And they were kind of easy to get through. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yep, just ignore that. Who knows what that could be? And then I just, the whole day, I'm like, oh, I keep getting these like pains. Like it's like period cramp pains, like one every 10 minutes. And I was like, mm, just ignore it. Keep ignoring it. Yeah. So I kept ignoring it and I was like, it'll probably settle down. Like it's probably just, you know, the start of stuff and whatever. I was 40 plus three at this point. Yeah. And I thought that I would be, no, maybe 40 plus five. And that's when I thought I would go into labor. Um, I gave my son until the 18th <laughs> and he came on the 17th. <laughs> I thought the 16th was the day he I would give birth yep. intuitively and he was born on the 17th. There you go. But yeah, for a long time I thought 16th is good, 18's done and yeah. I had um, I had feelings around numbers for all of my kids. Yeah, it's interesting, I isn't it? I was right with my feelings around the numbers. Yeah, I was pretty much spot on. So it was the 16th and the whole day I was sitting on a bouncy ball and I remember just chilling and getting cramps every now and again. I was just trying to ignore it because I was like this, I know this, I'm wife, this could not be labour. Yeah. Um, so as I got to the evening, I'm like, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk around the block and I'll just see if this will either pick up or pitter yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. And we went for a walk around the block and I took some photos of me because I'm like, I want to remember this because I feel like this is the last time I'm going to be pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I started to get like a show. Yes. I started to get this. It was so brown though. I wasn't expecting that. It was like dark brown. I was like, ooh, is that really a show? I don't know. I remember feeling so unsure. Yeah, which is weird, isn't it? Like even though um, as a midwife you know what it is, is but as a mum to be you second like you can't like you second guess your knowledge yeah absolutely I did the whole time so I was weird. like I don't know could this be could mm-hmm. it be I don't know I've never yeah. done this yeah you know I'm I know theoretically but I don't know yes. practically so yeah. this is my first time yeah um so we went around for a walk around the block and I remember my and my friend Michelle she was pulling out of the driveway and there was like this skate ramp next to it on the street like these kids used to play with and I'm just like leaning over it and I was like oh okay it's getting a bit painful now like shit and then (laughs) (laughs) 
Don't let my kids skate around. I was like, I think I'm going to go into labour. So I think it's called the midwife. And um, Michelle was just like, okay, see ya. Like she was just went off. And I called the midwife at the skate ramp and she was (laughs) – I was like, not, great visual. Yeah, yeah. Me leaning over this kid's skate ramp half pipe, um, just out front of the house, and she was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, you might be going to labour. You might not be. Blah, blah, blah. Cool. Give us a call later when you, you know, are struggling to have a conversation." Yeah. But even at that point, I was a bit like, "Oh, give me a second. Yeah. You know. So the evening went on, and. Um, that kept happening and then I was just like, nah, it's, I think it's just going to go away, Dan. Like I think – and he kept going, no, you're definitely in labour, you're definitely in labour. And I was like, no, nah, I think it's going to go away. Um, so I was on that bouncy ball mm. in my bedroom and I turned off all the lights. I said, just go to bed. He's like watching a show. Off you go. Yeah. And I said, you, you just go to sleep. It's fine. I think – I don't think I'll be able to sleep. Like I tried to lay down but I kept getting – sore and like kept um you know waking up yeah and I'm like I just can't can't be in bed yep no, I'll do it gotta sit on the ball and then I and then I was like I said to Dan I'm like no I'm not going to labor just go to sleep and I was still denying it at this point and then about two minutes later I just felt like my self left my body in a way like yeah. I felt like I floated away yeah if I could watch I felt like I felt myself watching myself float away it yeah. was really weird I don't even know how to explain it but I just felt this feeling of like oh all right I'm in labor now and I just said to Dan I'm in labor now and he's like what you just said you weren't like 20 times two minutes I ago am. I'm like well now I am turn on my hypnobirthing you know affirmations <laughs> Get the fairy lights out. So I had the, uh, the <laughs> hypnobirthing like talk thing on. Yeah. And my contractions started picking up. Mm-hmm. And I reckon they became four in ten minutes pretty quickly because yep. I went into that active labour then yeah, I've, and released. I felt it. Yep. And I just was like, oh, all right, okay, this is where we're at now. And it was pretty chill and kept going. Like they were intense but not like as in a different way to what I expected. Yeah. Like just a big build up of pressure and then a release. Like I remember it feeling really different to how I thought. Yeah. Um, but I only thing I was thinking, oh God, I haven't had much sleep. This is gonna be a long time and I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time was this? This was about ten. Mm-hmm. And then I think my midwife, Dan called my midwife about midnight and she came and she did a vaginal assessment and I was four centimeters. Active labor. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, maybe I was six. I was something quite quite good. Yeah. And I was like, great, we're on. She's yep. like, wait, set up the bath. And I'm like, great. So she went and set up the bath and mm-hmm. she was in for the ride. Um, hours went on, not that many. I think it was coming up to the morning and I just kept laboring, just kept going, chilling. I was in the bath a little bit and then I got out and she checked and she was like, <clears throat> yeah, you're six or eight centimetres, somewhere in there. Yep. And I was like, great. And it was coming up to the morning, I remember, and I was feeling like, okay, we're going to, it's going to happen soon. Yep. I'm like excited. Yes. And 
she, the nurse, the midwife was expecting that too. But then it kept, the day kept, the d- sun came up and it was daylight and nothing had happened. And I was like, I was Wait. still going. Yeah. yeah. So she checked me again and she's like, no, you're, you're nine and a half centimetres. You've still got a bit of cervix there. Yeah. And I was like, no way. Like I felt Not like me. I was so close. This baby should have been out by now. Like yeah. I remember feeling like, why is this stalling? And she was like, do you want to try? I was like, should I try push past it? And she's like, yeah, you could try um, that. And I was like, okay. So I tried to push past it. I tried a million different positions. I tried to get, you know, in different, walk around, get in different places. I tried on the toilet, but nothing was really shifting it. I remember yeah. she had a moment with me. She's like, you know, is something holding you back? Like what's, why... Do you, do you, what do you feel at this moment? Like, do you feel like something's, is there something you need to express and get off your chest? Mm. And I remember crying about my mum yeah, and like missing my mum. Mm. And meanwhile, my friend had said like, who we were staying with, Michelle, who's my gorgeous friend. She was like, do you want me to, she was going to leave the house because mm-hmm. it was her house and let us be there for like two weeks yep. um, while we had the, the birth and recovered and she asked me at the beginning of the labor she's like do you want me to go or do you want me to stay and I was like I want you to stay so she stayed and she was the person who was communicating with my mom in Australia and letting her know what was happening yeah um and she <laughs> she was kind of helping the midwives with whatever they needed like fill up buckets for the bath and yeah. fill up things to keep yeah. things hot like we had things on the stove heating up the hot water for the yeah. bath and everything getting all the towels and she would come in at random moments and ask me things. I'd be like, no, just go away. <laughs> like I was like, everyone just go away. Like, you know, yep. and Dan stayed with me the whole time. And I remember sitting on the toilet with my midwife, Jamie, and crying about mum. And then she's like, okay, do you want to get back in the bath? And I was like, no, like I think like this point had been three hours of pushing on that nine and a half centimetres. Oh trying to and it's not happening yeah and I'm like no it's just not working and my back felt so tight my lower back yeah I was like just it's just not right I think you might be in the wrong position like I don't know what's going on I'm over it I'm bloody tired yeah I just want to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. that's it I was like within an hour I want to go to the hospital and it was like a moment of crisis because I was like oh shit I've, this is what I've signed up for. Yeah. Like I'm stuck here with yep. this. I've got no options. Yes. And I remember freaking out being like, fuck, I can't have an epidural. If I, even if I do go to the hospital, I know it's going to take ages to be admitted. And yep. by the time I actually get an epidural, I'll probably be already having the baby. So I've really got no way out. My only way is to stay here and go through this do and do it. Yeah, but how? But how? And I remember feeling like, shit, I think I made the wrong choice. Yeah. And panicking about that and being like, oh, my God, I've got I've got no way out. Why yep. did I choose this? And which is a really vulnerable place for you to be in because yep. you're very um, self-assured. Like you, you commit to something and so yeah. for you to feel that vulnerability. Yeah, it wasn't a nice feeling and Dan reminded me that this is what I wanted to do and I just like I was like, I don't care anymore what I wanted to do. What I want to do right now is go to the hospital. Yeah. And they're just like just – Will you try getting in the bath one more time? Mm-hmm. And I was like, fine. 
I'll give you one hour, but if this baby's not born in one hour, we're going to the hospital. Yeah. That's what I said. And I talked to Leo, my son, yes. in my belly, and I said, if you're not out in one hour. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going <laughs> to the hospital. It's going to be not good for us. So just <laughs> get out. Like that's what I, I talked to them. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, come out. You've got one hour. Mummy is done is what I said. I've Mom's worked done. Hard. Yeah. I'm done. you got to come out now. Yeah. So I got back in the bath and I was exhausted at this point because it had been like, what, over 18 hours? It's a long time. Yeah, I was exhausted. So they were like, just get back in the bath and relax. And um, I was like, yeah, right. Easier said than done. Yeah, and I remember looking over my midwife was like texting on her phone or just sitting there and I remember being so pissed off. I was like, yes, wouldn't it be nice just to not be going through labour and sitting over there. <laughs> text on fucking, your phone. Yeah. And then I would like make noises and she would make noises like, mm-hmm. And I'd be like, if you say mm-hmm one more time, I'm going to come over there and smack you. <laughs> like I was getting so pissed off. I was like, do not mock my moans of expression in this moment. Like yeah. I'm going to, don't mm-hmm me. I need you to be here with me. Yeah. So I was like, just send, get her out of the room, get someone else back, get Jamie back, my doula. But I remember being so pissed off by that. It was hilarious. And... um. So I got back in the bath and I s- relaxed. I felt my back release mm-hmm. and I kind of laid back on the pillow of the whatever the bath was. Yeah. And I was able to just kind of fall asleep in contractions. Yeah. And Dan at this point had was also falling asleep next to me, yep. next to the bath, because they told him to go and have a rest and lay down and go to sleep. And I was so pissed off. I'm like, get him back here. Like in my head, I'm like, oh, he can't have a nap. If I can't have a nap, like exactly. I was pissed. Yeah. Get him like back. It's but rude. I didn't, I wasn't like go and get him, but I was just like annoyed about it. And yeah. then he came back five minutes later. He said, I can't do it while you're, I can't go have a nap right now while you're doing this. I'm like, yeah, I know. Stay here, please. Thanks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Nine and a half centimeters. Yeah, exactly. What like, you're going to have a baby. You can't just go have a nap. Don't miss it. And at this point, the midwives had ordered Uber Eats. So <laughs> <laughs> they were hungry. They'd been there a while. Fair enough, yeah, right? Fair enough. And my friend, Michelle, she'd put on all the doors, do not enter in this door because, like, there was a front door that opened directly <laughs> into <laughs> the, where I was in the living room. Yeah. Like, if you open the door, you just got direct vision. vision so your door. Yeah. yeah. So it was hilarious. Like, she put on all the signs, don't call this number, do not knock on the door, do not interrupt <laughs> fucking anything. And I do not know what was wrong with this fucking Uber driver but saw all those signs and then like I've never I'm known dying. anybody I'm dying. in my life to do this for Uber Eats but must have knocked on the door no. and no one no. answered. So what did he do? No. He's opened it. No. No. <laughs> And you're laying back on a contract. No, I'm on all knees, all fours, pushing, like going through a contraction, screaming. And I'm not screaming, but like, you know, moaning. I'm birthing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just lock eyes with this person that's just widely (laughs) open the door. (laughs) Like they're fully open. They're like fully opened it. And they're just like, (gasps) like the look of shock on their face. How did that go with your vibe? Oh, my God. I'm like. 
I was just like, bah! like in my mind, I was like in the middle of a contraction. So there's nothing I could do yeah. physically, but I remember in my mind being like, oh, what the hell's going on? Like close the door. Like what the fuck? And Dan just being like shell shocked. And we we're all just like, what? And the person was so shell shocked. They stood there for like at least a quarter of a second. Yeah, because what, like what's going on? Fight or flight. And they closed he the door. Like, <laughs> he just froze. And then closed the door. And he was like, oh, oh sorry. And closed the door. <laughs> Did he get a good tip? I definitely not. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, did that just happen? Like in my mind after the contraction happened, I was just like, did that just actually happen? Like, did I imagine that? And I was like, I couldn't imagine that. No. So that person is forever in my birth story because they <laughs> barged into it unannounced. <laughs> what was he bringing? I don't know, but everyone panicked that he had <laughs> opened the door well, fair enough. There's oh. clearly signage. My God, I remember my midwife being like, what the hell? What what Uber driver opens a door? Yeah. Like I just leave it on the front porch. Everybody, I wouldn't open the door. How many like times do you like see like Uber eats on someone's porch in the morning? All the, All time. the time. Yeah. Just do it, mate. Why would you open the door? Well, it's COVID. But, and during COVID, like why are you going to open someone's door? What was door? he planning to do, break in? Or did you hear the moaning and think something fun was happening? I don't know. <laughs> Desperate times. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then I was able to get on with it and I felt my contraction. So all the time they'd been asking me, do you have the urge to push on this nine and a half? Like, do you feel the urge? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, kind of, sort of, no, I don't know. What's it meant to feel like? Yeah, yeah. F- I feel like I could push, but yeah, I don't feel, I don't know what it's meant to feel like. So I was like, I don't know, to be honest. Yes, yeah. but no. Yeah. So... Um, I was lying in the bath after that Uber driver came in and I was, had had a little snooze and I felt like my contractions just went from zero to 1,000. And I was like, oh, my God. I can push. I know what the urge to push is now. I got it. Yeah. I could not control it. It was yeah. absolutely something you could not control. I was yep. just like, whoa. Like I, my body is – I like I wanted to hold it in so bad. Yeah. And I felt my body trying to hold in this – child coming out yeah, but it couldn't right. and it was really weird I had to try and let go yeah but I felt my body tightening to keep I was fighting against my mind to release that's so because my mind was trying to be like <gasps> hold on because yeah, you want to stop okay. this yeah and when he was got doing the in out when he was coming in like that my yeah. body would naturally tighten and keep him in right um which is something that I noticed randomly that I do when I go to the toilet. Like yeah. I'll go to the toilet and then I'll tighten up. Very interesting. So my body did that reaction when it was in labour. It was yeah, very weird. Okay. I'm like, stop tightening. Just let it go. Which is like because you obviously know as a midwife the mechanics of it and you know what you're meant to do and all of that sort of stuff. But like going through it yourself. Yeah. You I didn't know. I, I could, you there, couldn't. There's no like this is how you push. It was just happening. Whether You I, couldn't not do it. Yeah. Yeah. This is just what's happening. Yeah. I just have no control over it. I felt yeah. like there was no control over it. And I remember his head coming out and like it feeling a bit stingy and being like, oh, my God, uh, just be over. Like I was like, just get this over with. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Like I remember feeling like far out. This is the most craziest thing I've ever felt in my life. Mm. Just get this over with now. Yeah. And um, my waters hadn't broken. So he was born in the call. That is. My waters never broke. Amazing. Yes. So I've showed a few people the video of him being born. 
I have it on video. I'm going to watch it one day. Yeah, you will. And it's pretty amazing. You can see the waters around his head and then they kind of pop as his body comes out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, I remember feeling his head come out and then I remember his shoulder. I feel I can still feel his shoulders coming through my body yep. and his legs. Wow. I can still feel that moving through my pelvis. And it's interesting because my mum had always said to me that she could remember that feeling of me coming through as well. Wow. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking to. It just feels like literally bones oh, yeah. going through your pelvis. So interesting. Um. But yes, so he was born. I was in a kneeling position when he was born. Yeah, and then the midwives kind of put him under my legs, and then I slowly brought him up to the surface. And um, I was just kind of bloody shocked. Yeah, I can imagine. That's a very long experience. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh my god, he's here. But I'm like, I remember the moment not feeling genuine. Like I feel like I felt like I was meant to cry or be relieved, but I was like. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Like, I feel like that was how I felt. And yeah. rather than like, oh, so delighted by this baby. Like, I remember in that moment feeling disingenuous in my response. Because I think I like cry like, oh, my God, you're here. Like, but I remember in my head I was thinking something different. Like, you felt like different. you should have said, like, you said that because. Yeah, I felt, felt like, like I should say that. Yeah. But I didn't actually feel that. I remember feeling shocked. Uh, well, I mean, like, for the boys, when the boys were born, I, like, I was, had, like, a sense of joy, but for me, it was relief that it was over and that they were safe, and that was my overwhelming feeling. Mm. And the joy, I was just glad it was over, yeah. Yeah, and the joy came later. Yeah, yeah. It was relief. Yeah, relief is what I felt for sure. I'm just yeah. like, oh, thank God it's all over and you're fine. And, like, and I I'm think, fine. like, that's an okay emotion, uh, emotion to feel. Like, you've just gone through, like, this a marathon. <sighs> like, literally a marathon. Yeah, and I was like, I hope I don't bleed. Like, why do you have to, like, why is the instant feeling, why does it have to be instantly joy? Like, why? It should be relief. Like, you've just done an epic thing. Yeah, I just feel like some people have that immediate joy and that immediate thing, but some people don't. I mean, with Edie, with my first, I I think I did probably get that instant, like, joy, um, but also coupled with relief because it was an emergency situation. But yeah, different situation with the boys. I just, like, I think we're just sold a lie that you have to immediately feel joy. And if you don't feel joy, that there's something wrong with you. Well, that's exactly what I felt. I'm like, there's something through. wrong with me because I didn't feel that immediate bond and that immediate like. But like in that situation, you've gone through this long labour. You've still got things that, you know, have to then come. You're not in, I mean, you're obviously in a safe zone, but you're not in like a safe zone in that you're in your home country with your mum and your family and your friends around you, like you've still got like a lot of things that you still have to get through. Absolutely. And I think I realised that in my labours, I think that's the thing that probably held me back is how I realised how alone I felt and what that was going to mean long term. Yeah. For the decisions I had made. Yeah. Because now I'm like, oh God, I am having this baby and they're going to be here and I'm not going to have anyone to share it with that are my people. Yeah. 
And that was really sad. Yeah. I'm like, none of my family are going to get to experience the joy of this though, new baby. Yeah. Even though you had connections, they weren't as deep as you. They weren't my family. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really hard because I'm like, they're not going to get to see me pregnant. Yeah. They're not going to get to see me be a mum. Yeah. They're not going to get to meet this newborn. Mm. There's so many things that they're never going to know about my life now because of that time that was there. Yeah, I like I can't relate in that I was in a different country, but I have similar feelings in that um, with complicated pregnancies and being in hospital and missing out on mm. a lot of things that a lot of um, family and friends didn't get to see me pregnant. Um, yeah, I didn't get to do all the social things. I didn't get to feel all the love and joy from family and friends about the pregnancies because I was always stuck away in my little castle <laughs> yeah i'm excited to, well, i'm not excited but i'm looking forward to hearing your your birth story i mean sure. nothing and like your that pregnancy story but definitely so he was born within the hour yes good on him for listening born at 316 good on him yeah um and everything progressed really quickly <laughs> once i got in that bath yeah and you were able to let go yeah yeah and i was able to just go with it and dan was by my side the entire time and he was amazing. He didn't leave, and and how did you how did you find your experience as like as a midwife, like knowing what birth and labor is and seeing what people go through and talking your them through it? I remember annoyingly being aware of everything, yeah, and being like questioning, oh, could this be this, and having these conversations that were super medical and clinical about what was happening and yep. hypothesizing, or is he in this position? Is this why this isn't happening? Or if this doesn't happen, then we'll have to do this thing, and then if that doesn't work, then we'll have to do this. Like I remember having all of those conversations, was it and what thought you processes it in to my be? head. No. Did you hype it up to be more than it was? Was it? I just remember I didn't want to be thinking about that stuff so much, but it was definitely at the forefront of my mind. Which probably held you up a little bit too. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. I was like, damn, I wish I didn't know anything. Yeah. But then I'm like, I'm glad I know stuff because I, at least I know where I'm at sort of. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But then I was like, I just felt like such a a novice as a midwife going through it. I remember feeling like, wow, I don't know anything. I was going to say, did you feel like a little bit, did going through labour make you feel like a fraud? Yes. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. It's I was weird. like, I'm a fraud, like this, I know nothing. Yeah. Um, About this. And wow, I can't believe this is how it's turning out for me and everything. And yeah, so I like, I look back on my birth and I do love parts of it. I love elements of it. Um, I think that I definitely had an idealized picture of what a home birth would be and what it could be. And would you do a home birth again? This is the question. Um, unsure, mm -hmm. but I think this time I'd like to try the hospital experience. Yeah. Okay. And how, I'm is that looking forward the to the food net? being brought to me. I'm yeah, looking okay. forward to the time away. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't have to think about anything and just bonding with the new baby. Now I have another kid. I'm like, yes, I kind of feel like home birth. Maybe I don't want that this time. You want to feel a bit 
pampered. Yeah. And yeah. I'm also kind of like, I, but the only thing that stops me is like, would I want my son to be a part of the birth of his sibling if I had another kid? Yeah. Just leave it late Maybe. and bring him on in. <laughs> Maybe let him be part, because if I had a home birth, I would let him be there for sure. Yeah. Um, which could be so cool. Yeah. To see a woman give birth is pretty cool. Yes. So if you could see that as like a child that hasn't formed any views or understanding of that yep. whole world, like that would make a pretty so significant powerful. impact. Yeah. And a pretty cool knowing and that's important to me because I'm a midwife. So um, that's probably my biggest consideration in that realm. But also like setting yourself up postpartum is huge because if you think that giving birth in a hospital setting where you get to reset and well I'm hoping it'll just go super quick and I'm hoping it'll be uncomplicated and I can just whiz in and have a long postnatal stay yeah well that's always the goal isn't it yeah (laughs) that's always a goal I just don't want to get to get complicated that's when I get worried yeah but that's when I'd have to end up in the hospital anyway so I don't know well I loved hearing your birth story and pregnancy. Yeah, and I just think like it's important to like my story is my story, but like yeah. when people say when I say to people you had a home birth, I had a home birth. They're like, oh my god, you had a home birth! Like how amazing! They definitely have that idealized picture yes. of it, and then it's yeah. supernatural. And um, for me, it didn't feel like that. It, yep. There was still some Which trauma really or an important. element of it for me in my birth story, yep. even though I had a home birth, and that that's okay. That and I'm actually really happen. grateful that you've put that out there because there is definitely this glamorized picture of a home birth and how it is like a super powerful and um, mums are super mums for being able to do that and relinquish themselves to birthing at home and all of that. And, yeah, like it's nice to hear someone come on and honestly say like it was those things but also it was difficult and I do have some trauma attached to that. Mm. Like in any space, like you can have an empowered birth anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how my birth would have gone had I been in a different setting. Yeah. I really don't. Exactly. And I'll never know that. Yeah. But mine was the experience that I had and – um. It was just, I don't know, not as I expected it to be. And mm. I, I, I do love parts of it. Yeah. I do. But I, like, I don't know that anybody could say that they honestly love every single second of their labour and birth. Like, there's got to be something that you're like, oh. <laughs> no, I guess can't even imagine what it would be like to have an epidural and just be like, chilling. Like that would be. I didn't like it. I was forced oh. to do it, and I hated it. Okay, I will talk to you. About I'm interested this. to hear your story because I don't know any of that. Yeah, I'll talk but to I you. did like feeling everything. Yeah, I did like that, but just towards the end, I was like, I'm over. I'm bloody tired. Just yeah. Sit. But who knows? Had I taken that route, where I would have ended up? Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing that you don't know, and mm. everyone always have the ha- will have like what ifs and buts about their stories, and that's okay. Like, but. Your story just is what it is. And just make the choice that's right for you and know at the end of the day it'll be your story no matter what it is. Yeah, and that's just okay. Don't, don't compare. Like, yeah, don't compare to anyone else's experience. If you had a hospital birth, that's okay. If you had a home birth, that's great. 
Yeah. Nothing is better than the other. You had an elective Caesar, good on you. And I thought, oh, I have to choose a home birth again because now I've done it once. I'd be a fraud if I didn't. But now I'm like, no, I can just do whatever I want. And if I want to go in the hospital, I'm doing it. Yeah, 100%. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever's going to work for me. Um, And my grandma's been in the hospital this week. So Mm. I've tried the food out and I like it. So um, the chef actually works with my husband. So I'm like, great. You'll have a great feed. Yeah, that's all. And you'll go into... I want to go on for the room service. You'll go into parenthood feeling <laughs> full. We love that. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us. I um, am forever grateful for you sharing your experiences with me. Yeah, was it different to what you expected? Yeah, it was. I, mm. Do you know, I actually was really expecting you to come on and tell the empowered, beautiful home birth story of fairy lights and affirmation cards and Mm. feeling like a birthing warrior princess. Yeah. Um, And there's elements of that. Yeah. I mean, I bloody did it. That's a bloody achievement, isn't it? Yeah, but you can be a birthing warrior princess in no matter what you do. What you do. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't matter how you birth. Exactly. You did it. You birthed. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I, yeah. I think I realised yeah, through that whole process. And we're going to hear Shannon's story next. Yes, we'll tackle those story stories. I'll see if we'll break it up with the two pregnancies or if we'll roll them into one. Yeah, we might do a pregnancy ep first. I mean, the births are pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for listening, listening, everyone. Bye. All information shared on this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration individual circumstances. Consult a medical professional if you have any concerns regarding your personal situation. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed, please like and review the podcast. And share it with a mate or a random. That's okay. And if you didn't enjoy it, well, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not though. Please like it. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the Wathaurong people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast. We celebrate their connections to the land, sea and community and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today.